0: Acts 15, um, end of the chapter, going into the first part of Acts chapter 16, titled this Him and Us. I don't know that's grammatically correct, uh, but it'll hunt for today. Uh, let's pray first. Father God, I pray that um, you would open our ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would prepare our heart uh, to receive your words so we might come to know you more fully, rejoice uh, more robustly and walk in greater joyful obedience as we come to know the truth more fully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you remember last week we saw the Jerusalem Council. We saw the issue of grace versus works. We um, talked about the problem of legalism that so permeates, uh, permeates culture for all times and the joy and the freedom that we have in grace. The letter was written by the Jerusalem Council that was sent out with four men to go back and bring the message of salvation by grace. We looked at the royal law of love as we looked at um, verse 19 through 21 in Acts 15, those, those um, those four things that the Gentiles shouldn't do, not to be right with God, but because they were right with God for the sake of fellowship. And today we catch up with Paul and his crew as they're back in Antioch in verse 36. And what I saw in this were two things something god does and something we as his children are called to do and my hope is that this will be an encouragement and a challenge for all of us anyone here ever been discouraged just me sometimes yeah you ever have one of those one of those times when you're just like all right what what is the deal you know on an intellectual level god is good um God isn't trying to beat you up and bust you up, but, but sometimes you go through life and it's kind of like, you know, thank you, sir, may I have another, you know? Smile, smile while I whoop you. Um, and say, all right, God, I, I, you, you broke me down enough, can we kind of build, you know, you ever, you ever go through that? Well, I was thinking about that, going through it in various areas, not to that ex- extent of an extreme, as I'm preparing this. And it struck me uh, how easy that is to happen, and how unnecessary it is. How easy, in fact, it is to rejoice in all situations when you understand the truth, not just on an intellectual level, but in your heart. There are two problems with, with Christian people. One is the big-headed, small-bodied Christian, the one who knows a lot but doesn't really walk in, in love. The other is the, uh, the big-bodied, small-headed Christian person that, that is um, good at feeling, but not really knowing what they're feeling and not doing much with it. But if we got a, a good sized head and a good sized body to match, so the head stuff goes to the heart and it's lived out, you start to see what, what Paul's talking about when he tells us to rejoice, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. So, Acts 15, I'll start working my way through the text, and we'll stop at a couple places and watch how fast we stop at the beginning. They're in Antioch. Paul, Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching. That's verse 35. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return. Some days. It's probably about months. The, the Greek term doesn't deal with, you know, one or two days. It doesn't deal with one or two years. We're dealing with a period of time of several months. So they had the letter. They traveled back. They hung out for a few months teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. And then after some days, Paul got the itch. He says to Barnabas, let us return. You ever notice how often Paul got the itch to go? You now Paul wasn't the type of guy who, oh, let's just hang out here for a while and relax. Let's just sit here and read the Bible and talk about it with a bunch of people and just do a whole lot of nothing for a little bit. Why was Paul always itching to move? He just had ADHD, that's all. Maybe. maybe. Why was Paul always itching? This isn't where we're going with the sermon, but you ever, you ever think about that? He was, he was definitely a fired-up, courageous guy. That was just his, his nature. Um, well, see, I think that's a good point. I think the itch was a nudge that came from knowing who God was. Paul didn't just know facts about God. Paul knew God. He had a, a close encounter uh, with God. And he came to know of the incredible love God had for him, who he was before, who he was after. And he just had this burning desire to glorify God in every possible way. I was thinking about this. Now we're going off on a little tangent. We may be here a while, folks. No I'm kidding. As you read through scripture, you ever notice how people react when they meet God? Just This just popped in my head. I thought about it during the week. When Moses encountered God at the burning bush. What did Moses do? Oh, God! Boom! Right? He hit the ground. It was frightening. Isaiah comes before God. Has Isaiah, oh, uh-uh, oh, you know? I shouldn't be here. When Peter came to a fuller recognition of who Jesus was, what did he say to Jesus? Oh, come give me a hug? No. Away from me. I'm unclean, right? You see where I'm going here? When Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, oh, Jesus. No, dude went blind, hit the deck. Do you know what happens that people don't, you know, it's not like, oh, but boom. You know what happens? They have a massive conviction of sin and the holiness of God. They know they are utterly and completely unfit to be in his presence, and it scares the boots off of them. But then God says to these men and these women throughout Scripture, no, 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 it's okay. I've made a way for you to come before me, and it's unfathomable. Well, Paul understood that, and I was thinking about it this week. How often do we in our culture not understand the whack down to the ground, away from me, I'm unclean, I'm unworthy, I'm unfit to be in your presence. No. We go, oh, you finally got around to appraise praise you, God. Look at me, how wonderful now. We'd all do well with a healthy dose of whack to the ground. Because once you're whacked to the ground, then you can get up and understand. Well, Paul got whacked. And because he got whacked, he got up a new man, literally. And because he was that new man, he had this constant itch, or as Diane better puts it, nudging from the Holy Spirit. He knew how great he had it because of what Christ had done. Same position where in his followers. But it matured to a point that the man was itching to go and tell everybody that they could be made right with God. He was motivated by love for God and others and gratitude for God's love. So he said, now listen to this. We're going to sit here for one more minute. Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Paul's not looking to go out and find, let's go find some people that never heard the gospel so we can tell them the gospel. You notice that? Now he does that. Does plenty of that. But he's saying... Let's go catch up with these people we shared the gospel with who came to faith. Why? Because they're immature and he wants to build them up. Why does he want to do that? Because what's Jesus' commandment to his followers? Go out and make, thank you, not converts, disciples. Our job, us too, isn't just to go out and share the gospel with people who have not heard it, though we should do that. But it's also to walk alongside people who have heard and received the gospel and disciple them help them mature into people who can go and do likewise now while there is a a lar- while there is a while there are a large number of people who have not heard and received the gospel there also is a there I can't get my tenses right there are also there's a sizable number of people we'll skip the verb who have heard and received the gospel but aren't maturing in their faith part of our call as Christians is to come alongside those folks as maturing Christians and to disciple them, to take them under our wing. So when you go out, say you have a friend or a family member who's a Christian, but they're just an immature Christian, it doesn't mean that they're not they're not pleasing to God. It doesn't mean they're not in a right relationship with God, and don't you dare ever look at them and be like, now, now I'm a robust, healthy Christian, because you feel that way, you've got a big head. But you walk alongside, and you, you think, huh, here's an opportunity for me to bring glory to God by discipling this person, coming alongside them and helping them, Grow closer to Christ and be better equipped to go out and share their faith. So don't isolate yourself. Oh, well, that person's a Christian. Let's just forget. Don't, don't forget about them. Love them. And part of loving them is equipping them. And that's, that's what Paul was about, too. Now we'll move through a couple of verses, maybe. So he wanted to go back. says to Barnabas, I got the itch, dude. Let's go back to where we were in the Galatian area and, and, and see how they're doing and, and encourage them and equip them. And, and let's head back there. Barnabas, he wanted to go. You know how I know he wanted to go? Because he said, well, let's take John Mark. And Paul said, whoa, he's back there, big fella. J.M. ain't riding with me. You remember John Mark, the Acts 13 runaway? They came to the mountains, Paul and Barnabas did, and it got a little scary, and it got a little risky, and John Mark said, I got to go home. I can't do this. I'm leaving here.' he hightailed it back. I think he got the, uh, you know, the hydroplane to go across to get back because he was scared. Well, he did. He chickened out. The reality is most people would have chickened out. It gets a little scary. You imagine going on a missionary journey with Paul I mean, you want to talk about the ride, you're like, woo, Paul, they're going to beat us up. They are. And then we're going to go to jail. No, I would to run. I'd be with John Mark. Paul knew God in a, in a unique way. I think we could know him the same way. I know we can. But John Mark ran. Now, John Mark was no wimp. The Gospel of Mark, this is the guy who wrote it. This is no, like, you know, bit character in Scripture who, who was a, a wimp. He, he ran naked at some point in, in Scripture, too, Uriah. He was, he was a streaker, he was a runaway. Is was also used by the Holy Spirit to pen the Gospel of Mark. God uses uh, weak people in amazing ways. Well, they had what's called here in verse 39, a sharp disagreement. So they separated from each other. The sharp disagreement, the word really means a, a rageful fight. Not a physical fight, but a good old-fashioned, full-on, I hate you, you hate me, you dumb fool, blah, blah, blah. And they split. These two men who had been knit together on the battlefield of their missionary journey through Galatia, who had had experiences together that no other people could have had, who had come to depend on one another and know one another in ways we can't even imagine. These guys had to have a a bond that was seemingly unshakable. But then it got shook a little too hard because John Mark ran away and courageous Paul said, "I I don't have patience for this guy. I can't deal with wimps. I'm sorry, but but I can't. Barnabas, remember that was in his real name. That was his nickname, Son of Encouragement. He was a little bit more compassionate. Paul, give the kid a second chance. He's my blood relative. Come on, let him come. I'll vouch for him. I'll help him out. He's not going to run away again. He learned from his mistake. He's not coming. We can't depend on him. He's unfit for service with us. No, that's not true. He is fit for service. They had a huge fight. Now, who was right and who was wrong? Uh, that is an interesting point, isn't it? There, what, was he not loving John Mark properly? Or had he forgiven him, but he just really wasn't fit for service with Paul? Yeah. You want to know the reality? We don't know who was right and who was wrong. My gut. They're probably both right and both wrong. Um. Mm-hmm neither one wanted to give in to the other though made a giant mess so they separated Barnabas he took Mark he went back to Cyprus sailed back the way they were going Paul he chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord and he went through Syria Cilicia strengthening the churches you guys got maps in the back of your Bible if I was uh, savvy on that old computer screen it would pop up so I'll hold that up there But if you have a map in the back of your Bible, um, there's there's always a missionary journey map. If you have one, stick your finger there. If you don't, use your imagination or scoot over next to somebody. But look at what's going on here now, okay? So Paul wanted to go back the way they went. Sail across to Cyprus, jump up into the region of Galatia, and go back and visit the churches. Barnabas and Paul had a fight, and it went really bad, so they weren't going to travel together. So what does Paul do? He goes the land route from Antioch up through Tarsus in the back door going the back way into Galatia. And he goes into a place called Derby. It's the first place he shows up because they had a fight and he has to go a different way. And in verse 16 it says, Paul came to Derby and to Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy. Ever hear that name before? You'll hear it again. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. We'll touch on that again in a couple weeks. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance a decision that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now check this out. They had a fight. They split up. Barnabas got on the boat. Paul rode the land, and he headed up north who went with paul silas where did silas come from you remember where he came from jerusalem he was part of the jerusalem church and they sent him with paul and barnabas and barsabas the other guy to come and bring this message so silas coincidentally left the jerusalem church to go with paul and then paul and barnabas coincidentally had this big fight And Paul needed someone to travel with him, and lo and behold, Silas is just sitting there in a place he had no reason to be, if it weren't for this disagreement that took place on their first missionary journey, coincidentally, and he went with Paul. Do you see what's going on there? When Paul and Barnabas had a fight, do you think they, they just said, well, check this out. Let's not fight. I'll take Silas, and we'll go this back way, because as we go this back way into Galatia, you won't believe what's about to happen. When we get to Derby, God told me there's this guy named Timothy that I'm supposed to run into. And we're going to need this guy named Timothy for the rest of our journey. And wait till you see how God uses him alongside me. And in the churches that we found, it's going to be amazing, Barnabas. This is a great fight we're having because Silas is ready to go. Timothy's waiting for me. Let's roll. Let's know what happened. They just had a fight. And Paul probably thought, oh my gosh, what happened? This is a giant mess. What, what happened? He's probably, you know, John Mark, you stinking fool. Why'd you mess up this most powerful missionary team? Now I can't even travel with Barnabas. And those people are going to suffer because I can't go back. And, oh, what a stinking mess. Silas, let's go. But see, if you go way back before the beginning of time, God knew this was going to happen. God used this fight between two men for his glory and their good, if you watch what happened closely. Silas, Silas was perfectly positioned as he was walking in obedience, and Silas was a unique cat. Silas was a prophet. Silas was a Roman citizen, you'll come to find out. Silas was a Jew, and he was a member of the Jerusalem church. Now watch where they go in the missionary journey ahead, and watch how perfectly positioned Silas was. He was the needed man for the work to be done alongside Paul and Timothy and Luke, you'll see as we go ahead. This was no mere coincidence. But a sovereign God, fully in control of all things, was perfectly directing what was happening, despite the actions of men that seemed to go on around it. Paul had the perfect companion in his midst to go with him after. So, also, I hinted at this, Paul wanted to travel through the the way they'd been. God said, no, Paul, we're not going to go that way. He didn't tell him that directly. He used the circumstances, but it was God's plan all along. And he took him up the land route. They came to Derby at the very beginning of the second missionary journey. Not at the end. If they went the other way, coming back, they would hit Derby at the end. This is at the beginning. Timothy was not needed at the end. Timothy was needed at the beginning. But Paul didn't know he needed him, but God did. Do you see where I'm going with this? This God, his ways are perfect. Everything God does, everything God does, he plans. You can't, dis- you can't-, you can't ruin the plans of God. But you also can't see the plans of God as they play out before your eyes at all times. Sometimes you have to look back and you can see him then. So he, he went with the perfect guy Silas to the perfect place Derby, into the perfect land and you'll see this in a minute. God drove Paul through this, through this land of Nose to Troas. So he had to get on a boat and bring the gospel into present day Europe and wait till you see what happens when they got into present day Europe all because of this fight. All because of this Separation. Not to mention, there were now two missionary groups out there instead of one. So, from, from a human perspective, what may look like a complete mess, based on bad choices and disagreements and, and bad circumstances, is no mess. You see, God is in control of all things. And God will use all things for His glory and the good of those who love Him. And this is what I wrote, and this is what bothered me last night. When things don't go according to your plans, relax and rejoice. Because they always go according to God's. And that just made me kick myself in the backside. That's got to go past the head to the heart. If you look at your life, and there are things that might not be going according to your plans. If you wrote the script, and there are things going on that you would have edited out of the script, you know. Um, Ladder incidents, let's take a visible one. I don't think that Dorothy would write, you know, I would like to fall off a ladder and break my arm. No. But God knew she would why did god allow it i got no idea pam would you put that in the script heck no i'd edit that out as fast as could be but god put it in why did he put it in i don't know but he does and in a in a thousand years in a hundred thousand years if you could look back and see why god allowed that you would just say praise you god oh my gosh that makes perfect sense How could you have not allowed this to happen? But as you live in the midst of the story, it gets a little rocky and bumpy at times, doesn't it? It feels like God's knocking you down. God, why, why, why? Just relax. I know what I'm doing. Paul and Barnabas. Other people watching. Imagine the church in Antioch. Oh my gosh, our our two leaders, they're fighting. They're splitting. It's going to go bad. It's all going to fall apart. There had to be a voice of sanity at the time that just said, relax. Relax. They They may be walking in sin, but God isn't. God's got it fully in control. As you go through life, it's going to seem wildly out of control at times. And it is. Wildly out of your control. It's not always going to go according to plan. God's not always going to do what you want him to do, because he's always going to do better. Always. Now the question is, are you on, are you on his side or the other side? Because if you're on the other side, it ain't going to go well for you. But if you're on his side, he makes that sick promise in Romans eight twenty-eight. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Read it. But most important, believe it. God will use all things for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purposes. That's crazy. That's crazy. And he'll use it for his glory. So what are we supposed to do? Just kind of coast? Yeah. Just sit home. Doesn't matter what you do. God's going to, mm, not so much. But we need to know God is firmly in control. Wouldn't it be one thing if God just told us that? It would make it true if he, just, if he just gave us his word with no signs and wonders. I'm fully in control of all things at all times. Believe it? It's still true. But what if what if, hypothetically, there was a historical event of a man who claimed to be God, who performed signs and wonders, who who did amazing things, claimed to be the Messiah, fulfilled scripture, and then all of a sudden, towards the end of his earthly ministry, he got arrested, and everybody's waiting for him to, to break himself out. But he didn't. And he got beaten, and they waited for make him stop. Make him stop! Make him stop! But he didn't. And he got hung on a cross, nails driven through him, and they say, he's got to come down. But he didn't. And he died. Wildly out of control. No? A man named Pilate said, don't you know... Don't you know that I have power over you? Jesus said, no, you don't, buddy. The only power you have is because my father gave it to you. Do you believe that? His disciples didn't. And then Jesus died, buried, rose again. You know what God's saying? I am so much more in control than you have any idea. I am fully in control of the wicked plans of man. I'm using him for my glory and the good of those who love me. Through the wild, wicked plans of betraying Judas and the Pharisees and the Roman leaders, God said, huh, pawns? He used them. He had it planned all along for his glory and the good of those who love him. You can bank on it across the board in every circumstance of life. God is in control at all times. From the view of eternity, it'll start to make more sense. In the view of this life, that's why we walk by faith. Because it doesn't always seem that way, does it? So what do we do? Well, look what Paul did. Go to 6. 16, 6. They went through the region, check this out, of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's not some little walk down a one-mile wooded trail in Chester County. That's a hall. And they want to preach the gospel. Holy Spirit says, nah, So then they keep going to Mysia. And they try to go into Bithynia. Holy Spirit says, nah. So Paul gave up, threw in the towel, and left. Right? Dude kept pressing on. And he goes to Mysia and goes down to Troas. And if you have a map, look at Troas. You know where it sits? On the water. You know what your next step is after that? Paul stepped as long as there was land. And then when the land ran out, Paul said, Lord, I can't go no more. God says, I know, buddy. I made the land and the sea. Let me send you something. So what do you have? A vision. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul had seen the vision, and immediately, we. There's one of the first we's. It means Luke's here. Paul woke up. Let's go. I imagine he woke the people up. Quite frankly, I think he woke up. Luke and Silas and Timothy, Hey, 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 up, 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 up. we got to go, we got to go. Dude, we just got here. Get up, get up, get up, get on the boat. And there was a boat, and you'll see they had a quick trip. Why didn't God tell him, Dude, I'm going to send you to Troas and into Europe. It wasn't Europe yet, but it will be. Why didn't God say that? Because he was growing Paul. And he was using Paul's perseverance to grow him in his faith, and his perseverance was based on his understanding of who God was. Do you see that? What's our job? Don't give up. As long as you've got a place to step in front of you in God's will, step don't worry about two steps step when you step that next step he'll give you the next step after that too often we run away i would love to if i was on this trip i'd be heading home step how do you step know who god is believe walk by faith follow the good shepherd abide in christ if you got one step in front of you that you can take in obedience step god will show you the next one he's not going to leave you nor forsake you If you're standing there, I don't know what to do, look around a little bit. There's a step of obedience to take and understand who God is, understand how in control he is, understand what he's doing. And it's not up to you to make his will happen. His will will be done. You're invited to be involved in the process, and you're used by stepping. What if Paul ran away? I don't know, but I know what Paul would have missed out on. What if Paul gave up? God, it's just too stinking hard, man barnabas left me i'm getting beaten and whooped and it's not going well i can't preach to god forget it where's the nearest christian bookstore i need something to help me out right or let me just curl up and die i give up right no he he kept going he kept stepping god i'm out of land what's up (laughs) get on the boat you see that along the way don't you imagine john mark might be like paul we're running out of land buddy we got to get a plan we got to figure out what we're going to do trust is coming we got nowhere to go what do we do where do we go what can we paul's saying dude just walk god's god's hemming us in god's directing us here there's nowhere else to go what do we well what happens when we hit the water i don't know but we got five more steps till the water walk them walk them with me he's following the good shepherd and then he got there and oh lord what happened When he got on that boat, we're not touching it today, but they set sail from Troas and made a direct voyage to Samothrace. in the following day in Minneapolis. That's a two-day trip. Check it out when he comes back. It took a little bit longer, but oh, when he got there, wait till you see what happened. You have to come back next week in the following. But oh, I'm glad that Paul walked step by step, persevering, not giving up. And in due season, he reaped. And you and I benefited from the fact that Paul kept walking. We live in a time when people don't know God well, in house and out, and by house I mean the church. That's why we're going to do a series on the attributes of God, because we're going to know God real, real well. I give you intellectual facts. I can't get it to the heart. That's God's role. Paul knew God well, and because he knew God well and he knew the attributes of God well, as revealed through Scripture, he didn't freak out. He didn't give up. He pressed on. And as he pressed on, many were blessed. Through God using Paul. What do you do with this? Know who God is. Look at the circumstances of your life. Look at the situations going on. Look at the, the trials and tribulations and the difficulties. Some self-imposed, some un, some, you know, not. Some you're walking in, in God's perfect will and they'll still slam at you. Don't let them beat you down. That, that is so easy to put in your head. Getting it to your heart. What you got, Renee? You look like you got something. No.
1: I know it's just, I feel like it sounds so dumb, but but when I see when I see it being said, mm-hmm. I all, like it, like how they were, it sounds so strong to say they were having things forbidden by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and and the Spirit did not allow them. As it's like clear, mm-hmm. Holy didn't. I I wonder what that what happened. I mean, what are they now? Yeah, I mean, clearly they knew not to do it. I can see how he knew when to go because he had the vision. But I I just, it always makes me wonder what the heck.
0: Forbidden by the Holy Spirit. For some reason, God doesn't choose to reveal how. (laughs) But he knew clearly.
1: I'd like to know how, because I I get myself in a situation where I'm not clear on what I should do. And I wish something would say, don't be, and maybe it's the next that I should do it. I don't know. I just, I just. We're all, what? How your terms? Gifted, programs, or whatever that you've got. Like you you think it, you show up. You think that you would do that. You know, like covered versus non-covered. So the covered spaces, oh, they're there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's you tell you're gifted, and those,
2: those sort of happen. And haven't you ever had one that? Those are the things you do, or li- like me feeding people, and they get like this painful red light of don't even talk about.
1: Don't even think about going over and having that person, that. let alone putting on. Them. It, it I, seems I, like that's happened well. where it's, it's its not like the lightning bolt, it's just that I'm not supposed <laughs> to do what I need to do here. Well, well I, <laughs> I feel I like I've missed why. things sometimes and then later realize there's oh, the a good reason that why that I did. Time. Cause I'm not <laughs> but I wasn't aware <laughs> that it
0: was something stopping me at the point at that time. I think my gut. It was so clear it would be like if you went to the airport to fly to Atlanta and no planes arrived to go to Atlanta for some reason. So you thought you'd fly through somewhere else and no planes arrived to fly through somewhere else. And then there was a strike and the airline shut down for a week. And then you found out you had an ear infection and you couldn't fly. I, mean, I don't think this was Paul kind of, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't. I think this is just somehow God made it. So incredibly clear now Paul walked with an intimacy with God that probably made the discerning of God's will in gray areas a little bit easier he's also an Apostle um, but we don't know we do know how we can know the will of God um, and that, that's that's for another time but as we walk part of walking in obedience we end up being able to discern the will of God a little bit better Notice he wasn't all by himself, he had a crew going with him, they were saturated in scripture. You're talking about a leading man in the church in Jerusalem, an apostle, a, a highly sought after, a highly, um, what was the word they used, Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, um, good reputation. See, so you have mature believers here, and they're going together, so we don't know how, but, but we know God made it impossible for Paul to go. It wasn't a preference, it was an impossibility. He was forbidden, that's a strong word. Did not allow them to. These are strong words that are making it very clear God's saying, No, you can't go there. Um, God, God has a way to do that if your heart's right, too. You know, it's uh, <laughs> the strip club. Remember last year or last week? Dorothy, that's what you got here. You got out of the sermon was a strip club in the KKK. That's all you remembered. If you go, God, do you want me to go to a strip club? You know, He's not necessarily going to make your car break, lock the door, and, you know, have you pulled over three times. There, there's there's a heart issue where, <laughs> see what you missed? No, but this is says, don't do it. Right. This is it's not in scripture. Right.
2: Right. How do you and know not, you not to do? do? Like, talk to right.
0: That's a very good point you bring, Kirsten. How do you know when not to do what it seems that you should be doing? Right. That's a very good point. And that's what makes it hard. We don't know how God... It would be awesome if God would give that to us in those situations where where it's something that seems like it's what you should be doing clearly from Scripture. How would God tell us not to? The strip club is clearly don't. You shouldn't. Well, we mm-hmm. talked about it last week. You could, you <laughs> shouldn't. Right. But how do you, how do you know? I, that's a great question. I didn't... Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking out loud here, because I didn't spend a lot of time on it this week. I, I look at the term forbidden, um, did not allow. There's, I think there was, it would almost have to be there was a situational block that prevented. I don't know, maybe there was an illness involved that made it such that Paul couldn't go, hypothetically. Maybe there was a, um, a land route issue that made it so they simply couldn't get through. Maybe there, uh, who knows? Um, but there was a way Paul knew not to That didn't make him think, oh, I'm just being a wimp. You know, it's it's very hot. I'm going to chew on that this week. Let me dig into that. Now you got me thinking. All right, now I've lost all my thunder because now my mind is gone on that. No, that's next week we're going to start. I'm going to see what I, and you guys see what you can dig up on that. But understand and, well, has anyone, let's digress from it, has anyone ever had a situation? where they have felt God has, has told them not to do something that they should be doing in Scripture. Take sharing the gospel, for example. We're called to share the gospel, right? At all times and in all ways, I guess one could say. Have you ever come across a situation where you knew that you shouldn't be sharing the gospel in a certain situation? I have. you ever share the gospel with someone and there's absolutely no receptivity to the gospel? So you're trying to talk to them about... God, and sin, and separation, and salvation, and they are just, they, they're they just not hearing it, and they're nasty, and they want nothing to do with it, and there comes a point where you just simply walk away.
1: Well, yeah, but you Right,
0: but there there came a point where you have to walk away, or answering a fool and his folly, how about that proverb, you know, answer a fool and his folly so he doesn't think he's wise, but don't answer a fool in his folly so that you're not, you're not feeding into it.
1: If you know somebody's jerking your chain from the, yeah. I, I mean, that clearly, I think, but but if you don't know that until you start talking to them, I think you try tried until you realize,
2: hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's... I had a girl at work, long story, a year ago, niece was diagnosed with this cancer, was little girl two years old, it was a traumatic thing, and a fast-growing, seems to be okay today, then she gets pregnant, the virus hits, So baby's born early, there trauma there, baby seems to be fine now. Next thing you know, her four-year-old develops cancer, yeah. or yeah. not cancer, diabetes. So she's been through these real, like in a year and a half, these unbelievable struggles. So when the niece got sick, I said to her, well, you know, I'll pray for you. You know, going, I don't have any words to wisdom for you other than I'll pray for you and hope that whatever happens, happens for the best. And she said, we don't believe in that. And I was so taken by that response that I just kind of went, I'll pray anyway. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder like I, I I still say to her, How's your daughter doing? how's your son doing? And how's the niece doing? I keep praying for them. Just I just wonder sometimes are all these traumas that finally she'll realize her only maybe hope in this is to maybe start praying that maybe this will turn things around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just keep wondering why she has these struggles know what to say or to other than that i keep saying that that hopefully it'll turn something on that maybe that is the answer but her mind is if there was god why would they do this mm-hmm. see in fact that that's like my neighbor the one that has that illness where
1: if her, if her blood pressure goes up she can like fall over and die and yet she wishes me bright blessings like what the heck is that i mean i, I don't know what 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 are you she doesn't believe in jesus she doesn't and yet she could be going any second. I mean, to me, it's
0: like, girl, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you got you have different situations. Kirsten raises a really, really good point. It's Paul's command. It's all of our command to preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit says don't preach the gospel. Um, so our job is to look in situations for opportunities to share the gospel with people. How you approach that, um, you know, that, that varies from... Well, this is Asia Minor. It's a, it's a slightly different area, but it's, um, it doesn't have to do with the religious beliefs. Okay. It wasn't, wasn't God was saying this won't work. They're too powerful. We just don't know. Okay. That, darn, Renee, that's a good question. And Kirsten, I don't like your observation about it being a biblical. <laughs> a vacation, yeah, you know, it's easier without people paying attention. We'll
1: good. <laughs>
0: we'll revisit this text next week. Well the gospel right
1: got now they were stopped
2: they Who knows what
0: who knows what was going on? Why it might
2: have been to get to Macedonia when they made the big Macedonia. The question is how do you hear or the Holy Spirit say, Don't do this now? Don't go that path? Yeah, it's
1: um
0: You take it as God changed Paul's desire and made it clear to him. Paul's also running without the full, the full can of Scripture. He had no New Testament revelation other than what he, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit had given to him at the time. Um, this is also a unique situation where the church is being born uh, and, and the role Paul plays in it. It clearly wasn't God not desiring for those people to hear the gospel. It was also not going to be Paul who would save the people. God proclaim, can proclaim his gospel through, through a variety of mechanisms if he so chose. He chooses primarily to use people. How he did that with Paul, I guess my first question, my, my first answer would be we don't know. The second thing would be God has not chosen to tell us. So that part, where it's okay wrestling with that uncertainty. It's okay to wonder about it. In our lives, the question becomes how do we know what to do and what not to do is simply to know the word of God, to walk in obedience to the will of God, to walk in fellowship with other believers. And, and through those things, we're, we're better able, through the Holy Spirit that indwells us, to discern the will of God. So I would say if you were taking this same trip, you go and you preach the word everywhere you're able, and if God didn't want you to in a certain situation, then he would make it so you couldn't in, in a clear and unequivocal way. So whenever you're walking in the will of God, if God wants you to not do something that it seems that you should do, he will make it so robustly clear that you can't miss it. And we're safe walking in the will of God. So Pat, back to your question, with your friend at work, how do you approach that? You pray for him like you're doing. You pray to God to give you an opportunity to speak to them as he softens their heart and opens their ears. And you look for opportunities to share the gospel with them. You know, I, I, I really, I'm saddened that, that you're in such a difficult state. I, I wish I could change it. I wish that you didn't have to deal with all these sicknesses, but can I share with you, and I don't know circumstantially how this comes up, the hope that I have that allows me to get through times that are, you know, not as difficult as what you're going through because I can't relate, but, but difficulties that I've had. And you can share with her the joy that comes from knowing the sovereign God who is, who is in control of all things. And while we don't know why he does what he does, we know that he will use it for his glory and the good of those who love him. And that part of walking by faith is having to trust. But as we know who he is and get to see him as he's revealed himself to scripture, we know that a loving God doesn't do wicked and evil things to people to to harm them. He's always in control. And in this fallen world, bad things happen, but they're in his control. So I can pray for healing in those areas of sickness but perhaps God might be using these things to draw you closer to him to reveal to you that he is in control of all things and his plan isn't to harm you it's to it's to give you eternal life with him to reveal himself to you so that you can have the hope that I have Some you know sounds good on an intellectual level write it down just hand it to her in a letter it's a little harder face to face but that's how you approach it and then if God prevents it you, you know if you get to work and she was fired the day before you know, you, you wouldn't have been able to share. It, so, to, to all of that, those are some really good points. I would say, worry more about knowing what to do and what not to do, right? The, the clear areas, the black and whites. And then when you get into the areas where you really, I would say, Paul didn't have to worry, oh my gosh, should I share the gospel with these people or not? Does God want me to share with these people or are these people I'm not supposed to? Paul was just seeking to share everywhere he could. And God, God somehow, through the power of the Holy Spirit, made it clear to Paul, uh, maybe, you know, forcing it upon his will, per se, situationally preventing whatever it was, he directed him, and when you watch the the track on the map, he's bending him over to Troas so clearly, God could get you wherever he wants you to be, how he gets you there, he can teleport you if he wants to teleport you, he can direct you by by circumstances and situations, he could reveal his will to you, go, and, and you'll go, or you can run a Jonah and he'll take a whale and put you right back where he wants you. But as long as your heart is right and you're bathed in the word of God and walking in obedience, I think you're you're best equipped to discern the will of God the way he tells us to. So that's, I don't know, i got a question for Paul when I see him now. What if Paul's answer is, I don't know, it's the weirdest thing. Like we were going and all of a sudden we weren't supposed to go. I just knew we wouldn't. That would be interesting. So for us, though, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Paul didn't try to force what he shouldn't be doing, but he didn't run away from what he should be doing. He walked step by step. You and I need to know more fully who God is. We need to be be amazed by grace day by day. We need to be reminded of the gospel and reminded of the attributes of God, the sovereign God who is in control of all things. We need to let our eyes look over the circumstances and situations of life and gaze upon God and rejoicing in that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. And then we walk step by step, refusing to give up, refusing to believe the lies of the world or the lies of the evil one, trusting, that, trusting in the word of God, walking in obedience to the word of God with joyful eyes that gaze upon him, never giving up, persevering, pressing on in the will of God. And then we get to be used by God in amazing ways, as we go through this life. Well, I'll save that for next time because I don't want want to get into that right now. What might happen if, over this past week, instead of so easily letting my eyes gaze on circumstances and situations that that involve a variety of areas and, and travel geographic realms around the country, what if instead of getting so caught up in the stuff, I let my eyes gaze upon the beauty of God more fully? What if instead of worrying about how am I going to do this? What's going to happen with this? How's that going to play out? What is this? Just stop. John, that's not your role. Your role is to walk in obedience to God and to press on and to not give up and to rejoice at all times. Do what you know you need to do, but don't worry about what's outside of your pay grade. You see that? What might my week have looked like differently? What did I miss out? Oh, I missed out on some opportunities to praise God, to, to sleep a little more soundly, to to do a variety of things I'm not even aware of because I lost focus of the sovereignty of God and love of God and what that means to the life of a child of God. So this week I'm going to try it again. I invite you to try it as well but but what a what a gift that God has revealed himself to us. He's revealed his not all of them but his, his attributes to us, his, his qualities, what he is like so that we could know when we say this God, his ways are perfect, every word of the Lord proves true. It's a fact with examples to back it up. Father God, I just, I thank you for the fact that you have revealed yourself through your word, through through creation. Everyone knows that, that you are there, but you have chosen to reveal who it is that is there, and we just thank you for that. God, I just pray that you would help us to, to grow into maturing men and women of faith, that we would never curl up in a ball and 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 just say it's too hard i can't that we would never give up that we would never walk away from a task you've called us to but we would rejoice in the fact that you are with us that you will never leave us nor forsake us that you are the good shepherd that you will guide us that you will you will make clear to us what it is you desire for us to do and to not do And I pray that we would take those steps one at a time, not worry about 25 steps down the road. I pray we would plan appropriately for the future, but we would be more focused on the next step of obedience and rejoicing in knowing that you are in control, that you are at work, and that you will bring glory to yourself and joy to us as we walk in obedience to you. God, I thank you for the fact that you forgive us our shortcomings. I thank you for the fact that you don't look upon me as some real screwed up fool who just doesn't do it right all the time and give up on me. God, I thank you for the fact that you see me through the blood of Christ, that you see all of us who believe through the blood of Christ, not as people who are just wallowing in, in sin, but people forgiven by sin, who you see in the righteousness put upon us through Christ. Yet we do sin, and, and I thank you for the fact that we don't enjoy sin, that we can't enjoy it as Christians uh, for a prolonged period of time because you have given us a taste of the things you enjoy. And I pray that we might feast upon them, that we might feast upon the bread of life more fully, that we might drink deeply of the living water, that we might abide in you, Jesus, more fully, so that we could know the joy that Paul knew, so that we might see people come to believe in you and rejoice alongside the angels in heaven as one more person comes to faith. So we might have the peace that transcends all understanding, not because the circumstances of life tell us we can, but because the God who controls all circumstances tells us that we can. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. Thank you for the fact that we can call you friend. And Lord God, we can call you Father. And you will never leave us nor forsake us, and you have an inheritance for us beyond measure and eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's see if we can make this work here. You can. No, ask.